We live in a world that is forever changing, from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real-world solutions for real-world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar 1 in today's world is a double-edged sword, but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. My guest today is Colin Klein. He's the local owner here in Reno, Nevada of the NutriShop, um, somebody I really trust and wouldn't bring on the podcast if he didn't have a lot of knowledge and a lot of credibility. So uh, thank you, Colin, for your time. Come on today and welcome to the show. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. No problem. So we'll go over some topics today just to prepare the crowd. Uh, our listeners, we're just going to go over body composition scans. We'll talk about supplementation like protein, creatine, and some other pop- popular supplements. So those will be some of the topics that we'll discuss today. Uh, I guess we'll kind of open up and uh, Colin, our first question is, what exactly is a body scan and um, why is it different than say like a an, an at-home scale? What makes the body scan different? Yeah, so there's two kinds that you're going to see in either a commercial gym or in my store and most nutri shops around the nation. <clears throat> it's called a bioelectrical impedance analysis or BIA. Um, so it uses kind of electricity in your body water to track all this. Um, tells your body fat percentage, your skeletal muscle mass, your lean body mass, your visceral fat, your basal metabolic rate, you know, 30 plus different, um, you know, I can't think of the word things uh, that it talks about directly for you. And so it helps oftentimes because people on a fat loss journey, they're trying to lose weight and they also start going to the gym at the same time. So they part, start putting on muscle and they lose fat mass, but they're gaining muscle. So the scale, just a normal scale, they stay the same weight. And sometimes people even gain a little bit more weight because muscle weighs more than fat. And so that could be very discouraging. Um, and so that's something we do here is it's, it's free in our, um, our store and I just want to help people get results. Yeah. No, just to kind of piggyback off what you just said, I'm, uh, I come in there, I take advantage. Uh, I, I think I maybe take the most advantage of it. Somebody you see, I, I'm always in there getting my body scanned because I do weigh in at home and, you know, the scale is kind of going up on my end, but then I come in and it's like a relief. It's like, oh, wow, I've just, you know, I've added a couple pounds of muscle. My body fat percentage has actually gone down and it really kind of um, just resets how I view and how my relationship is with my home scale. I don't really weigh myself as often. I might weigh myself maybe once a week at home, but I think how often do you recommend coming in and do the body scans? I would say at least a month, once a month, um, at most every two weeks. Other than that, you're not going to see a whole lot of changes in every, if you come in weekly or bi-weekly. Um, mm-hmm. It just depends on what your goals and how serious you are. Um, so if you're, you're really trying to get there and you're obsessed with the numbers and I tried some people can get obsessed with the numbers. So for some <laughs> people, it's not very good for them to, to be in here. But yeah, yeah I'd say once a month. Um, what are some of the measurements that you get on there? I know I have my printouts and I, it's really neat, the, the app. I think you just log in and you can just weigh yourself and it syncs up to your phone so you can have your measurements with you on the go. Um, I think it's really neat um, how it opens up with, you know, it tells you the lean mass in each of your arms, your right arm, your left arm, kind of the differences in symmetry between your body. So would, are those some of the measurements that you kind of get when it spits out uh, your body scan at the end? Yeah, you can see if you're imbalanced or not, which most people are, are balanced. You'll see your fat mass and lean mass for each side of right leg, right arm, left leg, left arm. Um, it shows you your waist circumference and your um, waist to hip ratio. 
Um, and a lot of people will go off of that. I never touch on that because that just gets a little too in depth. Um, mm -hmm. I've learned if, if I talk about each box, people just like, it be like, I just came in here for some protein and now all of a sudden I'm learning everything <laughs> they want to know about my body. So I try to keep it simple. Um, but yeah, there's the biggest thing that I take from it is I get to see people's uh, basal metabolic rate. And so that helps me lead into talking about nutrition, try to give them a, a calorie range. So I agree. I think that's really the neatest part about the, the body comp is not just the numbers, you know, your body fat percentage, how much lean mass you have. But at the end of the day, it's very unique in how it gives you a range of your caloric intake, your basal metabolic rate, what your body's typically burning when it's just laying in bed, not doing anything. So, um, and, and then I also think it's unique. It, it does kind of tie in, you, you can input your goals and things like that. And it does kind of segue into your store, into the supplementation part, side of things. It, does it give you some recommendations as to forms of what kind of supplements to take as well? It does. Uh, depending on the goals, there's three of them you can set, whether you're trying to gain muscle, fat loss, or optimal health. Um, and typically, that's the supplements that it recommends based on your goal. Sometimes the recommendations aren't as what I think the, I guess my client at that point would need. Um, remember, it's just an algorithm. And so... Mm -hmm. There, there can be a lot of other factors that go into it. Yeah. But no, I think it's a great benefit, a great tool here for us. And really anybody across the nation who has access to one of these in the NutriShop is to really step away from the scale, get your body composition scanned, and really kind of get a deeper knowledge of your body and, uh, and some of your goals and how to get there. So um, I guess you are the owner of a, a supplement store. So let's kind of get into some supplementation questions. I guess first off, for basically maybe a listener who's tuning in um, who has no idea what supplementation is, like, how do supplements work to enhance our health and fitness goals? Like what's the point of taking a supplement? So the first thing I always say is that supplements aren't necessary. They, they aren't, um, mm -hmm. they're exactly what they are supplements. And so that's a question I get a lot is, is any of this necessary? And I like to throw, argue the fact, no, but then I ask people, well, do you wear running shoes to go running? Cause you don't need running shoes. You can just go barefoot if you really wanted to, you know, people wear lifting belts and use chalk on their hands and, you know, put fancy tires on their cars and exhaust and all these supplemental things that aren't necessary, but they, they help. Um, if you have the, if you're fortunate enough to have the money to spend on it, yeah, they could absolutely help. Um, and so that's exactly what they're used for is a supplement where your diet, you're lacking pretty much in different nutrients or micronutrients. Um, and so then it just, we get to talk about your goals, what your lifestyle is, what you're eating. I kind of get a general idea of what could help you and yeah we go from there honestly that wasn't the first answer i was expecting uh, the owner of a supplement store to say these are not things yeah. that are necessary so mm -hmm. i again that's why i really appreciate your opinion because you're not a you're not a salesman you're really about the about the practice about the best interests of people so i think i just really like your approach um, from backtracking to you know how you handle somebody a body comp scan not going into depth and then opening up to a question maybe somebody's coming in the store asking you know is this even necessary and your answer is kind of reassuring them no. And then it was a beautiful analogy to kind of explain what the intent and the purpose of some of the products that you have in store. So um, are these supplements like, are they safe for consumption? Can they cause any harm? Is that, that's kind of the first question is, is this stuff safe that you're that carry or most people carry? Yeah, I would say for 99.9% .9 of the situation, yes, it is absolutely safe. Um, yes, supplements are not regulated by the FDA, but that's why you should look for transparent labels uh, and see what's in it. Ultimately, I think you and I both agree. We've talked before. The dose makes the poison, um, yeah. such as like a, a big one. I like to talk about going around. People come in and be like, 
B12 has cyanide in it, vitamin B12. It's like the amount of B12 supplements you'd have to take literally all the ones in my store right now to get any type of cyanide poisoning. Um, and so it's, yeah. if people abuse it, yeah, it could be dangerous. Um, but for the most part, the stuff in my store is extremely safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even water is an essential for life. And if you have too much, like you said, with the dosage, if you have too much water, you can you know die of water poisoning and things like that. I think there was some things in the news from people having radio contests, chugging water and stuff like that. And the thing that keeps us alive uh, took us out. So what yeah. are some things that you want to look at for a label? Is there any kind of like third party vendor, like, you know, certifications or things that jump out to you for people? who? Are yeah. So this is where stores? it gets a little contradictory. Um, third party testing is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. If you see that, mm -hmm. that's great. Um, also, if you just have knowledge of products, you can realize that some products, if the third party tested, it's like, well, yeah, you're selling protein powder. You can look on the back of the ingredients and look at the scoop, how heavy that's supposed to be, like in grams, and then look at the protein content. Um, I don't like to throw companies under the bus. So I, I, I'm just, it's not my style. But you can look at a third party tested, and they'll charge like $90 for a month's supply of a plant based protein, which plant based protein is so cheap. That's $3 mm -hmm. a serving. And so it's like, that's their big claim to flame, claim to fame is that they're third party tested, which is great. Um, but you should, that doesn't mean you should charge an astronomical amount for your product, especially if it's inferior to others on the market. The next thing is you can look for trademarked ingredients. Um, and so one that I like to point out is beta alanine is very popular in pre-workouts. There's a trademark ingredient called carnosine. Um, those are amazing to have. And in NutriShop, we have a lot of trademark ingredients almost in every single supplement. So there's actual studies behind these um, trademark ingredients. So you know what you're getting every single time. And so I'd say that's kind of the difference. Um, yeah. Just overall to see if something is safe. Um, and also with proprietary blends, people don't know, it may not tell you because we do have some. And remember, I'm not in control of that. I don't um, mm -hmm. formulate mm -hmm. these. Uh, the supplement industry is very competitive, so people will steal formulas. So that is why NutriShot has been in business for over 20 years. And so a lot of these companies people are familiar with haven't even been in for 10 years. Um, and so if you look at a proprietary blend, the way it's listed on the label, the that blend, it goes from most to least. So for instance, we have a gut formula. Caprylic acid is the number one ingredient and it goes down the line and says everything else. So caprylic acid makes the, makes up the majority of that. Um, so there's a little tip for people. Yeah. No, I think that's excellent advice. And then I, I don't know if we discussed this. Have you heard of examine.com before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. What is your take on examine.com? I guess uh, I, I know I personally use it to, as a resource, just as a consumer, like, Hey, something new is, you know, a new supplement, for example, is announced. And I kind of, that's my first stop shop and websites like that. I think it more or less, I have an understanding. It kind of has the scientific evidence and real makes it like read, just readability is really high. And it, it makes it say, Hey, is this, the study show it uh, like, you know, high, high impact or high, you know, high effect. So I know we didn't really uh, discuss this, but what's your kind of take on examine.com and other kind of resources out there to kind of see with all this new supplements coming out into the market to really do your research. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, if you haven't heard of it, look into it. Uh, examine.com is amazing. It, like you said, it puts it into words that you can explain. 
Otherwise, your only option would be to learn how to interpret scientific literature yourself and do some PubMed surfing, uh, which that is yeah. very difficult. Um, it's hard to do. Uh, so I would say a lot of, you know, professionals, actual professionals in the industry that have PhDs in this, they reference it all the time. So I feel like that's a very um, solid place to go for information. Yeah. That's a shameless plug. I'm expecting to be a kickback from examine.com now, but uh, what are some must haves that you have to have for supplementations? What are like your must have for supplements when somebody walks in the store, maybe like what I try to sell them if they don't already aren't already taking. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe there's not, is there any like must haves just to kind of live a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, I would say the big three, uh, it's all comes to micronutrients and vitamins. Those, those are the most important as far as, you know, optimal health. Uh, whatever optimal is. Um, and that's vitamin D is the first one. People are deficient in that, especially if you work inside. If you're someone that works outside, like I used to climb trees, but in, I was in the military before this. I was outside a lot, so I never supplemented with vitamin D. Um, but that plays a huge role in everything. Um, next would be omega-3s, so fish oil or krill oil or get it from algae if you're a vegan or whatever source. Um, but that's anti-inflammatory, um, right? Yeah. And so that's EPA and DHA. So when you look into an omega-3 supplement, you want a lot of EPA um, and some DHA. DHA is good. That's more for your brain. So, And then third would be magnesium. A lot of people are also deficient in magnesium. That also helps you sleep at nighttime. Just know that it can also be a laxative if you take too much of it. <laughs> um, so again, the dose, dose matters. But magnesium plays a big role in vitamin D. Those go on in part with each other. Uh, most yeah. people get enough calcium, but then again, you gotta look at lifestyles. So if someone came in, they're vegan. They probably need to make sure they're on a B12 supplement. Um, that's an easy fix. So I would say those are the big three. Yeah. I know me personally with my journey with through like depression and bipolar and mental health, I know sometimes fish oil is brought up oftentimes. It's, you know, not necessarily a cure-all. Um, I, I do take fish oil in a, in a certain dosage. I think looking after the EPA, I think a, like you hit the nail on the head. I'm not sure what the exact dose is. I think I want to say 2000 milligrams or something like that, or just a high doses of EPA. It's like a certain threshold I believe you want to get. And uh, just in my personal experience, like it's totally an N1, you know, experiment, just maybe it's placebo. I don't know if there is a placebo effect, but I've noticed uh, it does help with kind of like my mental health and some of those things. Have you kind of heard some similar things or observe that uh, with some of your clients? Um, For me, the fish oil isn't something that, yeah, yeah. so it's not something that happens very quickly. It, it takes time to kind of build up those stores and you got to maintain it. But yes, overall, I do feel better. Um, I'm a big fan of krill oil over fish oil. That's not for any reason, reasons other than my own. I personally like it a little bit better. Um, you can go in debates on what's cleaner and what's not. Um, just make a note while, while we're on a podcast, people you don't need to be worried about mercury poisoning from uh, fish oil. Mercury does not bind to, or my, mercury binds to protein. There's no protein in your fish oil. It's all fat. So mm -hmm. if you're worried about fish oil and mercury poisoning, it's not going to happen. Um, but overall, it's just the modern diet today, people are very high in omega-6s and they're very low in omega-3s. And so what people understand, it's not a scale you can't just start consuming less omega-6 and just fix your ratio. You have to consume more omega-3. Um, mm -hmm. 
obviously taking out some omega six will help, but it won't fix it completely. So yeah, yeah, it helps, but it's one of those things that it, it takes a while to really notice and you have to be consistent with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right about that. I've been taking it for a long time and very diligently. Um, I think that just comes from just me having to take medication and things like that. You have to take it when it comes to like, you know, it's kind of the mental health aspect of the side is like, you got to take these things. You got to give it time. That's kind of what you hear oftentimes. And I think the same thing can apply for official in this case. Krill oil sounds pretty interesting. I haven't tried it. I don't really know the difference between a krill oil and a fish oil. I'm not sure if it's at the end of the day, it's for the same omega threes, D, DHA, EHA or whatnot, or is it just like a different flavoring? Or, I mean, I don't know what the difference between krill and fish oil is per se. <clears throat> so from my knowledge is that krill oil is a lot more bioavailable, which that means uh, gotcha. more, more absorbable. Mm-hmm. So you need less of it per EPA and DHA. Uh, it also comes, typically you'll have a staxithin, um, which crosses the blood brain barrier as well. And so that's a lot more for your brain. Um, I don't know. I just personally, I feel better on it. And I know other people have as well, um, but mm-hmm. some people like fish oil. Um, but that's, they also have a shorter lifespan. Krill does. Um, so they have less chance of becoming, I don't know, disease ridden, if that's the correct word. Um, I don't care about that part. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, interesting. it is more expensive. Oh, it is more, it's a little more expensive. I mean, but at the end of the day, if you kind of equate your, maybe, I mean, numbers wise, you might be getting more value, more bang for your buck because it is more bioavailable and you're getting more, you know, more use out of it. So instead of maybe spending more money and having to take more and ingest more and some of those things. So, yeah, like all things I I say, just experiment with it. If you feel better taking this, then, Hey, that's what works for you. Yeah. I would agree with that. Everybody's different. You have to kind of try and try these things out and see what feels best for you. So with all these supplements on the market, I mean, what's the point of eating food? I can, do can supplements just replace a diet altogether? Absolutely not. Um, there's no replacement for a good a good diet, and what a good diet I think consists of is both plants and and meat, um, but whole foods, right? I I got a donut right here. I eat processed foods. I live by the eighty twenty rule. Like mm-hmm. I put my store two doors down from a yogurt beach for a reason, you know. Um, but for the most part. You got to eat whole foods. Um, you got to be focusing. It's got to be diverse. For that, some people, it doesn't work, though. Um, you know, but ultimately, like we talked about when we opened, supplements are just that. They're to supplement where you are deficient in because of your food. So if your nutrition sucks, then, yeah, you might be taking a lot more supplements than the average person. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. Uh, I think having an 80 20 rule just a balance i don't i don't mean to get into the nutrition i feel like that's almost like a religion to some people like you're either mm-hmm. they defend it to the de- to the death and things like that and they're very convinced and then couple, six months later they're on a different diet or things like that but i think it's just more of a sensible outlook i think you and i would agree and i think we kind of take a page out of the flexible dieting book by alan Aragon. i think that's where kind of came up in our first meeting and things like that and just kind of having great guidelines parameters not being so you know finite about the food you do eat you don't eat and things like that and yeah, I think having a donut and just, you know, eating sensible and things like that is just a part of life. It kind of makes you enjoy life a little bit better. So um, I think his kind of macronutrient, the king of he's kind of known for his takes on protein. So I definitely want to pick your brain about that as well. Um, what kind of what are some protein supplements and then why do people take protein supplements? 
Yeah. So water protein supplements, that's going to be a way to get that macronutrient in, whether it's plant-based or from whey or from, you know, this carnivore protein that's starting to gain a little bit of ground, um, like a beef isolate. Um, it's all, it's all processed, but that's, it's, it's very good. Um, I, at least for, I speak for NutriShop. I will stand by NutriShop's protein till the day I die. It, there's no protein that's going to outshine our protein. Um, but I'll talk about the difference. So all proteins made of 20, made up of 20 amino acids out of those 29 are essential, meaning our body cannot produce them. So you got to get them from food or supplementation. Um, out of those nine essential, there's three of them known as BCAAs, branch chain amino acids, um, which are the muscle building blocks of protein. That's leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Leucine, however, is the main, you know, amino acid that people that go to the gym want. That's going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And so these amino acids, all these 20, they help, you know, us build, rest, and recover. Um, and so... Your protein should list the amino acid profile, in my opinion, so you see what you're getting. And when you do that, we can compare. Our plant protein is a complete protein, meaning some plant proteins won't have all nine of the essential amino acids. If you're purely vegan, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's big of an issue because you're going to get the other one that's missing or two from food that you eat. Um, but you look at the leucine content in plant protein compared to something like a whey, and it's a lot lower. Um, and that's what you want. That's typically why people have their protein shakes after your workout. Mm -hmm. You know, so I guess I could ask the question, why? Why do we have protein shakes after a workout? Well, because you want that leucine. You want the protein. You just tore all these muscle fibers and that's assisting your body in um, muscle protein synthesis. So, yeah, I guess I can go into the difference between whey protein now because this is a big one that yeah. people don't know about. Um, there's three kinds of whey protein and there's a whey concentrate, a whey isolate and a hydrolyzed whey isolate. So a whey concentrate is the simplest form. Like when cows are milked, you have all the milk and at the top layer, you have casein and you have whey. And so this whey protein still has the lactose in it. So a whey concentrate, they take that and they dehydrate all the, whatever they have to do and you get whey concentrate. So there's lactose in that. And so some people can't do whey protein because of that but it's just because mm -hmm. they can't do the whey concentrate and so a whey isolate and even more so a hydrolyzed whey isolate they take all the lactose out of it and so it's a lactose free whey protein shake and so i've switched many people from a plant protein to our hydrolyzed whey isolate and they do just fine it tastes better um there's a lot more leucine um, when it comes to the amino acids as well um yeah yeah yeah, I'm sure they're coming in there. They just, they group it all together and they're just like, I can't even touch whey, you know, with a, with a six foot pole. And then you kind of ex explain, break it down like you just did. And then have them take a sample, have them try it out. And then sure enough, yeah, they're getting uh, the kind of the maximum leucine or a more, a more preferred route of getting the leucine dosage that, you know? Um, so I think that's fabulous. Yeah. There's so many uh, protein supplements on the market. Um, so I, I really appreciate you breaking it down. What's, what is the name of the protein you guys actually carry in store that you're a big fan of? Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of behind me. So those red tubs down there that you see, um, yep, there it is. You yeah. got it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that is our most popular. That is protein synthesis with the seven in the middle. So the pro seven is just what I call it. Mm -hmm. um, 
so there's 34 grams of protein per serving, which is a lot of protein. Um, and so I, I think we'll get to that uh, a little bit later, how much protein your body can absorb. Um, excuse me. But the seven is there because you have all seven forms of protein, which is all three forms of whey, three forms of casein, and then egg protein. So that makes up seven. And so people ask, what has that whey concentrate in that? Um, so I'm lactose intolerant. Most people do just fine. Like I said, you can look on the, the label and the whey concentrate is in like the middle of the ingredients. And so there's not that much in it. Mm -hmm. um, some people can't do casein, which I told you there's whey and then there's casein. Casein also goes to make cheese. It curdles in your stomach. It's known as a slow digesting protein. People take it before bed. Um, and so, and then egg protein, which that is a delicacy right now. Um, after all those, those chicken farms, I think burned yeah. down. So yeah, I'm uh, sure yeah. The, uh, prices on that's just through the roof right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big egg eater myself. So I know I'm kind of, uh, I love hard boiled eggs and that's a whole nother topic. I mean, um, my wife hates it cause of the, the egg farts, but, uh, no, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that's I'm a big fan of the protein. Morning. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the protein. I think, uh, 34 grams of protein, that's like a really high dosage and, for those of us or who are, you know, just me and my personal goal, it's always to lean out, have that kind of look and put those losing weight. It's only 150 calories in there. So it's really, um, really not a lot of filler in this one. So, and a great flavor too. So uh, I think you have so many different flavors. I think chai latte is a popular one. Of course you got oh, your yeah. staples, your chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, but it's got some really cool seasonal flavors. I think the holiday, winter holiday, Christmas season, the white chocolate peppermint was another top hit. That's really good. So, um, what is, uh, when we're coming to talking about protein supplementation, how much protein should somebody consume in a day and how much protein, like if you kind of break it down from a day, how much protein per meal do you recommend or suggest? Yeah. So I recommend the, this again, going back to Alan Aragon, cause he's the man um, from his book, it's points. So usually it's like 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram, but we're American. So 0.7, 0 0.7 to one gram per pound of weight is what I go off of or your goal weight. So if someone's trying to gain or lose, you can go off of that. So let's say someone weighed 250 pounds, they want to get down to 220. So I'd mm -hmm. go off of that 220 pound number times that by 0. 0.7. That gives you that range of, I don't know what that would be off the top of my head, maybe like 160 to 220. Um, you can also go off a of lean body mass. Um, a lot of people will do that, especially if they're, you know, very obese. Um, and that could work um, that's, you know, different, different styles. Uh, yeah. So how much protein can your body absorb per meal? So your pro your body will absorb all the protein it gets. It's just a matter of, so how much goes towards muscle protein synthesis, which is that process of rebuilding and recovering. Um, that is the question. Um, and I have a study, I can send it to you where it talks about, you know, before people would say it was only 20 grams of protein that you could get per meal. That was, a, in my opinion, that was a marketing scheme by supplement companies that only put 20 grams of protein in their supplement and still sold it at the same price that other people were selling 25 to 30 grams of protein. Um, obviously margins are better for them. They put less protein in their supplement. Your body will absorb roughly 40, it, it, this does depend kind of on lean body mass, but 30 to 50 grams of protein uh, mm -hmm. per serving will go towards muscle protein synthesis, which that's a lot. Um, like I said, 
you're it when you eat the consume the protein it doesn't just disappear you know it travels through your small intestine and goes to your large intestine and your body still absorbs nutrients even though it's in the large intestine as well mm-hmm. um so i don't think it's that concerning so for me personally i eat about 80 grams of protein in the morning um mm-hmm. that's just something that helps me get my protein goals i gotta eat 200 grams of protein minimum you know is what i try to set for myself and so getting half of that in in the morning makes life so much easier um yeah so yeah i i would say don't be afraid to you're not going to overdo on the protein the only worst case scenario is you get the protein farts so which yes. i tell people to eat more fiber so yeah no i definitely have the protein farts i think i'm notorious for locking the windows and all that kind of stuff so in the car and i'm hated on road trips and things like that but Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's great stuff. I think, uh, I think hitting it, getting in in early and often is really the best approach when you're kind of starting your day off, really having a large meal. Um, I think I, I try to hit 30 to 50. I think I have like a, I've been doing this whole coffee thing. I've been doing like coffee and like some protein, like a little, instead of, I swapped out the creamer for like a protein. Um, and it tastes great just, and I'm getting able to get like 30 grams from the protein. Yeah. I'm sure you're doing the same thing, but um, I think, yeah, just getting it from your foods is what I've heard and when, and always kind of been the best approach and then kind of going to supplementation. So um, is protein supplementation, is it necessary if you're kind of eating adequate or is it just like a great kind of hack just kind of at the end of the day, like, hey, you know, if you are with that type A personality or you know, not even that type of person, but if you're, you know, meticulously tracking your macros and say at the end of the day, you know, you're maybe you're 30, you know, 30, 40 grams short, is that when you kind of reach for something that's kind of easily digestible and that kind of gets you on your target? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it goes back to if you hit your protein goals of food, protein supplementation is absolutely unnecessary. Um, however, protein supplement is very cheap and people, I feel like, fail to realize this and it kind of bothers me because they come in and it's like the, the quality of the protein I sell at a very cheap price. Um, it comes out, our, the tub you just showed is a $1.30 a serving and that lasts you for two months. You go to Costco, right, which is a cheap, cheaper store. You buy a big thing. They're like 12 pack of chicken breasts and it's like $25. And that is one chicken breast is about 25 grams of protein. So you do the math at that point, you know, is what I tell people. I make that comparison. Um, This is going to last you for two months. And that's if you take one serving of it every single day and it costs you a dollar 30 cents a serving. And it's Mm -hmm. 34 grams of protein, which is like one and a quarter chicken breast. And you didn't have to clean it, cook it, do the dishes, anything. Like it's put it in a shaker cup, shake it around, drink it, rinse it out, and you're done. It takes five minutes, you know. Um, With that being said, real quick, a quick tip for people. If protein shakes make your stomach upset, Mm -hmm. again, like I just explained, especially ours, 34 grams of protein. When's the last time you consumed a whole chicken breast, if not more? in like 10 seconds, right? <laughs> your mom always says, don't eat too fast. Your stomach will get upset. So if that's the case, slow it down a little bit. Enjoy your protein shake. If you can't enjoy it because it tastes nasty, you need to buy our stuff because it doesn't taste nasty. <laughs> no, it tastes great. Um, yeah, you got to take your time with that. It's really hard to eat an entire chicken breast in 10 seconds. I don't know how I would get that done. Um, uh, okay, Colin. So we touched on the great benefits of supplementation with protein. We know that's the, the kind of the goal is for muscle hypertrophy, building muscle. Um, I know maybe there are some other supplements that you carry in your store. I think another one I'd love to touch on while we have your time today is creatine. I think that's a really 
kind of making some more headway and getting more popularized. So um, for those of us just tuning in or have no idea what creatine is, what is creatine and how exactly does it work? Yeah, creatine, this is, I love this topic. Other than protein, it's my number one seller. As you can see, that's why I keep it stocked up. Creatine is very cheap. Um, so this is how it works. So creatine is an osmolite. It pulls water wherever it goes. And so everyone knows it pulls water into the muscle cells, right? Creatine doesn't cause bloating um, unless you misuse it. And it's not going to make you super watery. Some people it might because very few people are hyper responders to creatine. One of my employees is. He started taking it and he gained like 10 pounds and he looks like a bag of water. It's kind of funny. I make fun of him. Um, <laughs> but it's inside the muscle cells. And so when it stores that creatine, stores as creatine phosphate or phosphocreatine. And so that phosphate molecule goes to making adenosine triphosphate or ATP. We'll just call it that. Um, that is energy. That is life's currency. Everything you do takes ATP. And so when you're working out, it's how fast can you turn over that ATP and produce more. Um, and that can start getting into uh, aerobic and anaerobic energy systems. And we're mainly talking about anaerobic, which means without air, without oxygen. Um, because when you're lifting weights, that's typically what it is. You're not going for a run where you have a you get in your the zone, right, where you're breathing. And so that you're using your creatine phosphate system. Um, there's two anaerobic energy systems. And so since you have a more plethora of phosphate now into your muscle cells, you can make more ATP more rapidly. So your recovery time is that much more efficient, but you're also putting out more power as well because you have more to give. And so that's how creatine works. Um, might've been a kind of foggy, explanation but just know that creatine there's no acute effect from taking creatine meaning like you take caffeine and you you're energized right you mm -hmm. consume beta alanine you get the tingles on your skin and things like that you take creatine you don't feel anything um so it's cumulative you have to take it every single day um it's okay if you miss one day you don't need to freaking double load it because you missed a day um but yeah. just five grams, we'll talk about dose now. So five grams is typically all you need, whether you're male or female, every single day for the rest of your life. Um, the benefits are amazing. It's just people never truly get to experience that because they are not consistent with taking it. Um, however, some people, again, very select few, it can upset your stomach just naturally, which in that case, there's the buffered creatine, the creocalin, the creatine HCL, uh, which is hydrochloric acid. That's your stomach acid as well. So it's a lot more bioavailable. Um, again, marketing schemes for these types of creatine is very, uh, it targets people and yeah. they increase their price. I said at the very beginning, creatine monohydrate is very cheap and it should be. Everything else can be overrated. Um, but I kind of lost my train of thought. But going back to the different kinds of creatine, um, this HCL or this creocalin, those are the two big ones. They can be great for if it's in capsule forms. Because if you try to take five grams of monohydrate in capsule forms, you could be taking like 12 capsules just to yeah. get your... Like horse-sized capsules or anything. You're, yep. I mean, I don't know how to... Yeah. Yeah. And that's no fun. Um, so that's where that kind of creatine does come into play. And we do sell that for people that want, you know, capsules for their creatine. So instead of taking 
10 horse pills, you're taking three just little capsules. Um, mm -hmm. Is it more expensive? Yeah, but buy the powder, <laughs> you know, uh, but some people don't like to. Um, but that's kind of creatine in a nutshell. Um, oh, so the loading phase for monohydrate, that's where I left off. Mm -hmm. You don't need to load it. You can. So it'll typically, if you do five grams every single day, it'll take you about three to four weeks to fully saturate the muscle cells. You can load it by taking, let's say, 15 to 20 grams for the first five days, maybe even a week. However, this is where people can get bloated with the, the tummy issues because creatine is an osmolite and it pulls water where it goes. If you take, if you're taking 20 grams and you're like a female that weighs 115 pounds, that's probably too much for you. And so now you can't absorb all that into your skeletal muscle. It gets into your GI tract and it pulls water in there. And now that bloats you um, and makes you feel like crap. And so typically what I tell them is just take five grams every day. So, yeah, no, I love how simple you broke that down. We had the dosage about five grams a day. The myth of you need to take 20 grams, you know, every single day for the first seven days or the whole loading phase is just a myth. It's not really necessary. Um, I think timing wise, I think, I know, I think it does make sense why it works, why creatine works with the adenosine triphosphate with the ATP. And then I think if you break it down, it goes into like the Krebs cycle and the phosphate mm -hmm. systems and all those kind of things. And we're dealing with more of the anaerobic system of our body. So maybe not a long distance runner will really maximize this, but if you're working in you know, 10 to maybe 90 second spurts, which is typically how long a set of weight training or a set at the gym takes when you're lifting weights, creatine would be a great supplement to take. Uh, would you recommend taking it maybe before, after, during your workout? Is there any kind of timing wise or just making it, taking it first thing in the morning, especially when it comes to maybe uh, working out, is it best to take it right before your workout, I'm saying? Yeah, what I tell people is take it whenever you can remember to, uh, whatever okay. you're, is gonna make you more consistent. So if that's in the morning, then do that. If that's at night, I try to discourage people taking it, associating it with their workout because not everyone works out every single day. So if you mm -hmm. associate it with putting in your pre-workout and you didn't work out, you didn't take your creatine, you didn't, then you missed. So yeah. um, again, the, the goal is to be consistent. And also caffeine and creatine mixed together that can cause a little, like make you go to the bathroom or make you feel a little bad. So if it's you're someone that's putting- I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So if you're someone that's putting your creatine in with your pre-workout and as soon as you drink it, you got to go to the bathroom, that could be it. Also, mm -hmm. caffeine makes people sometimes go to the bathroom. So it's, you know, that's why I tell people. Yeah. Whenever you're more consistent with it. So for me, that's at lunchtime because I'm here like every day. And so I mix my little lunchtime drink and my creatine goes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and the, yeah, that got the different forms. I prefer the, the creatine monohydrate, the powder as well. But if you are on the go and, you, you know, it does take three to four weeks of diligently taking it, maybe you throw some capsules in your bag or something like that just to kind of ensure that you're taking it. Um, mm -hmm. Let's see here. I've heard some benefits and some recent, uh, some recent studies have come out. It's just proving like the cognitive benefits, not just from necessarily for those people in the gym, even for elderly people saying, you know, improves memory function, just improves cognitive boosts, just how your brain's functioning. It's, I guess it's safe to say, is this a supplement that everybody can take? Is it safe for all ages and all groups of people to take creatine? For the most part. Okay. Um, obviously, like with everything, especially for children under 18, it's ask your doctor. Especially for older uh, people that walk through my door that will be on different medications or just people in general on different medications. I'm not a doctor, so I tell them first thing, like, this is very harmless of a supplement. Check with your doctor. Um, as far as for children go, 
I think is perfectly safe. Um, my kind of age is 16. So obviously mm -hmm. if my kids wanted to take it when they turn 16, well, yeah, absolutely. It's that harmless. In my opinion, you can get creatine from meat, from steak, you know, yeah. it's, it's very natural. Um, I 15 year old, fine. I've sold the 15 year old creatine. Um, he was a, an athlete, you know, so it's not that big of a deal. His mom was in here. Um, as far as for older people and the cognitive side of things, very, very good for them. Again, I'm not studied in, you know, contraindications for creatine and potential uh, medications are on, but the cognitive side of it, I'm still pretty new, still learning. So I don't feel hundred percent confident speaking on it. I just know that it does help quite a bit with that. Um, that's not why I take it personally, but that could be why someone starts taking it. And another side effect is they could actually start, you know, gaining some muscle too. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of when I was in high school, those, I played football a little bit and those two a days and some of those things like that, you, that's when you really start getting in the weight room in high school and mm -hmm. 16. So when you have a learner's permit, you can come into NutriShop and Colin will hook you up with some creatine. I think that's about <laughs> the limit though. You have to have at least Bring your parents. Here. Bring your parents. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm a personal trainer and I think it's always good sound advice. Get some clearance, get some, get some run by from your, an actual medical professional, like yours, like your primary, primary care uh, physician. I think we're going to keep, keep this conversation going with Colin, the owner of a NutriShop here in Reno, Nevada. Want to get into talking talking how to supply your body with nutrition. I think, you know, you, you deal with a lot of people in their community who are coming in. Maybe they have different goals. You make sure you have people who are running, dealing with their aerobic system. I think you have your typical, you know, people first think of bodybuilders who are dealing with their anaerobic system. You might be dealing with a combat athlete. I know combat sports is really growing in popularity for um, not just professionals, but people in the, in the community who just like to, as a, as an activity for their fitness. So probably maybe kind of a blend between aerobic and anaerobic. So when it comes to nutrition and breaking it down, you know, food is fuel. How do we fuel our bodies? And for the, for those different types of people who are walking in the door, what would you, I, I think you have a unique approach to everybody in the store. So how would you, you know, say, put them into categories and really give your best advice. I really like to give you the floor here. Yeah. Um, so the first question I ask them typically is, are you on a low carb diet or a keto diet? And it's typically the 40 to 60 year old range that typically will like to say, yeah, I tried to be low carb. Um, but they're not. So your body r prefers glucose, especially your brain, which is carbs. Um, it loves glucose. It's, it's just a better en energy source. So unless you're fat adapted in ketosis, um, you know, eat your carbs is what I tell people. Um, so yeah, like you said, it depends on what kind of activity they're doing. As far as nutrition, I just make sure they get their protein. Carbs and fats are energy sources figure out which one they run better off of. You kind of figure out what foods that they typically eat. Humans are creatures of habit. So I got to, it takes a, a couple months to learn their habits. Um, mm -hmm. But how to fuel yourself for your workout. So that depends. We'll start with our purely aerobic, you know, our runners, people that just run 5Ks and half marathons and Spartan races and all these kind of things. Um they just need carbs, man. I mean, yeah, there are some that run in on a keto diet. It's good for them. Um, but there's two kinds. You got your simple carbs and your complex carbs that you really touch on. Um, and so during races, obviously you want simple carbs, something that's going to burn quick that gets you as energy. But then now supplements come into the play when you're not talking about nutrition anymore. 
and they've developed things that burn like quick carbs, but they kind of act like complex carbs where they don't spike um, your blood sugar or excuse me, um, spike insulin. Insulin, yep. Um, and that stuff is amazing. We sell it. It's called uh, our Car Pro or Carbolin is a very popular one as well. Our Car Pro is highly cyclic dextrin. Um, I personally, I do jujitsu and some Muay Thai, um, but then I also lift. And so when I do that combat kind of sports, which is very similar to CrossFitters as well, they need that, you know, that fuel, that carb, those carbs as well. Personally, I think everyone should be taking these carbs before their workout, but mm. it's neither here nor there. Um, it's just, you have to look at your, your energy systems that are being used. And so no matter what, whether you're a purely a power lifter and all you do is bench squat and deadlift for one to three reps, or you're a CrossFitter that's doing a hundred power cleans, you know, it's like recovery is 100% aerobic. It takes oxygen. Um, but that anaerobic activity is what is going to use that creatine phosphate system or that lactate system. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm general saying is that most people aren't on a low carb diet. Most people need carbs. Um, so consume those before you, uh, you go work out. Um, and you can drink them during your workout. So getting back into more supplements though, for these kind of workouts, we're talking about creatine. Creatine helps another great one for, um, I guess you can call them a hybrid athlete, if we want to call it that, that's like CrossFit or a combat athlete. Mm-hmm. Beta alanine is possibly the greatest thing that they can take, um, in my opinion, for performance. And so beta alanine, a lot of people don't like because it gives them the tingly ant crawling on your the, skin. I get the itchy ears all the time. I know when it's kicking because my ears start turning red and I get uh, start scratching them. So, Yeah. And so I want to touch on this because this is probably my favorite supplement um, next to a couple others. Mm-hmm. Beta alanine is like creatine as in it's a cumulative effect. And that's what people don't get it because it also has an acute refe- effect being the, the tingles. Um, however, the main purpose of beta alanine is to increase your carnosine stores, which is an amino acid. That carnosine, it buffers lactic acid, like the your, your burn, the crash, I guess, the, the burnout. Um, so when your lactate system takes over, it creates lactate. Lactate is an energy source that your body uses. Uh, your heart likes to use that as well. It's just in order to get that lactate to those muscles or wherever it needs to, that's where lactic acid comes in to transport it. That lactic acid increases the amount of hydrogen ions in your blood. So your blood has a pH level. So most people are aware of that. That means percent of hydrogen. And so when that pH level, you know, goes away from what it should be for balance, that's where you just get fatigued and your muscle burns out. Well, those carnosine stores offset that so you can push a little longer, a little better. Um, And so that's how beta alanine actually works. And so again, it's a cumulative effect. Fortunately, and Alan Aragon came out, he had, he was a part of this study, 1.2 grams a day is all people need and it'll eventually increase the stores. 1.2 grams shouldn't give someone the tingles. That's a low enough dose. If you do, and well, it kind of sucks for you. Uh, If you don't like it, I personally love that feeling. I'll put five, six, seven grams of beta alanine in my (laughs) pre-workout. I love it. Um, But yeah, that's beta alanine. So I think all 
CrossFitters, combat sports athletes should be taking that. Um, and when I talk about that, these are athletes that are mostly aerobic, right? The, it's MMA fights are closer to running a marathon than they are powerlifting. Um, and that's what people don't understand, even people in that sport as well. Um, so you got to build your aerobic engine. Um, yeah, you got to keep moving yeah. when you're in the ring. Yeah. Um, so beta alanine is fantastic. You got to take that every day as well. Um, and that's kind of feeling yourself as far as if you're just strictly a bodybuilder and you want a pump, right? Beta alanine is not really going to do much unless it you love that feeling like me and it just helps you and motivates you to work out it's more of a placebo at that point um but that's where you look at the nitric oxide boosters so citrulline arginine um, citrulline malate or if you're more organic you can go beetroot powder um which tastes like dirt but <laughs> those work to help you it opens up your blood vessels and helps you get a pump um yeah, yeah. so that's that's kind of it for feeling yourself yeah. So I love what you said, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of pushback. Carbs are not bad. Carbs are not your enemy. They actually can help you. They're not, uh, they're not something you should not ingest and stay away from. I know there are people out there with the ketogenic diet. We're kind of talking political now about who you're voting for and um, what kind of party you ride with, but I like how you kind of balance it out with, and it does make sense how you explained it with me, with my background, it does make sense. And it, I think it, for those people out there who don't need necessarily know the scientific or need the scientific, I think it just comes down to your, your perceived feeling. If you're just feeling better, I'm sure you get a lot of people who respond and come back and say, Hey, I've taken some of these carbohydrate supplements. My workouts have gotten better. I'm actually feeling better. Hmm, maybe that's kind of turned my, uh, turned me from the marketing of some of these other diets who are just low carb or no carb at all. So I think carbohydrates yeah. and then the other one is beta alanine. And we're talking through the lens of somebody who's a runner, cardio aerobic system, you know, constantly moving, not some, not necessarily for those people who are aerobic or anaerobic or just performing in like maybe like one to 90 seconds, like a sprinter or a weightlifter or some of those things were using those other, um, energy system in your body. And I like how you put out, kind of gave Alan Argonon, who I think is the king of some of this stuff his nutrition with his background and all of his, the things he puts out is really backed evidence-based about 1.2 milligrams or 1.2, I'm sorry, grams, not milligrams, 1.2 grams of beta alanine. Growing up, it was always in the pre-workouts. Now, are you saying, just if I heard you correctly, can you get beta alanine by itself as its own supplementation? Yeah, you can. Um, oh, beautiful. And so, yeah, you can get it by itself. It's very cheap. Um, typically, it will come in like a 1.6 gram scoop. Um, okay. I sell capsules of beta alanine that are 750 milligrams. Just for those people that are very sensitive to it, they can take mm -hmm. one in the morning and one later on in the day. And you'll get your 1.5 grams and you will never feel a tingle. So nice. So you can space it out. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we kind of tackled people who are aerobic, who are getting their run on, who are moving around in the, in the, in the octagon of the ring, I'm trying to think of some other, like maybe some hybrid athletes, like such as yourself who participates in Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. Um, what are kind of some supplements? Maybe we're talking about the leaning the other way with the anaerobic system. Somebody who is say a power lifter only doing one to five reps, maybe 30 seconds at a time. And then, if they're doing it properly resting, you know, three, four, five, maybe even more minutes to get to maximize each set. Um, what are some supplements for somebody who's walking in an athlete who would, uh, is in your store and then maybe some nutrition tips as well? Yeah, I would say, especially for power, power lifters, your mind needs to be 100% in your lift at all times. Cause it is dangerous when you're moving mm -hmm. that much weight, you know, um, injuries are very high in that community. And so that's where caffeine can help 
absolutely, but also nootropics. Um, that's a long list. Tyrosine, choline, alpha-GPC, lion's mane from mushroom I love, L-theanine. list goes on. Um, but really being focused and paying attention when you're lifting, um, I would say is the, the main thing for me when I lift heavy, which isn't very often anymore. Um, I'm just not a strong guy. My ego is not in it anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm more, of, like I said, I'm more an, an aerobic athlete, but I, I can be strong. I have this. Anyways, I'll digress. Uh, don't need to talk about myself. Oh, no, you're fine. For you strong, look, yeah, strong. that's kind great. of what I touch on. Yeah, I. the strength is there. It's just you're never good enough for yourself, right? <laughs> so, yeah. um, And you're a family at man. Least you in can't the be gym. getting hurt. You got you to gotta be... You know, you got to be exactly. providing yeah. and, and clocking in every day. So I, yeah, I appreciate it. It's, it's there. It's very dangerous. I think some of these people moving 500 upwards pounds on depending on what lift, it's like one small, one small deviation from that movement and you're, you're injured. And it's not only like a minor injury, it can be very serious and debilitating and sometimes it's like lifelong. So, um, I think of Ron Coleman, lightweight baby and he's on crutches and kind of some of those things. I don't know if necessarily from a mislift or things like that, but that's just one of the persons I think of who grew up just moving a ridiculous amount of weight and whose kind of body is taken to punishment from it. So um, not to cut you off there, but go ahead and talk about maybe some nutrition tips for some of those people. Yeah. Um, again, protein, protein's king. We'll always say it. Um, as far as nutrition, it's just a matter of if they're competitive, you got to stay in your weight class or if you're trying to grow you're just looking at calories at that point. Um, supplements to help it. I mean, yeah, joints, joint supplementation at that point. Um, fish oil will help, but you know, your glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, your hyaluronic acid, your cystis, like it's a, yeah, joint medication because it, it takes a toll when you're constantly stressing your bones and joints, they get strong, but it only takes so much of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of the people, I, I know mobility is really making a big pop growing in popularity. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, um, a lot of trainers and a lot of physicians and a lot of just physical therapists are really pushing mobility and kind of bringing it to the front page. So I think you maybe put them when somebody's saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm a mobile athlete. I do partake in yoga or some things like that. And I really want to take care of my joints. And then that's kind of when you walk them down the aisle of looking at some fish oils and some other things like that is what you're saying. Yeah. There's again, back to my thing for when we're talking mobility, cause I love that conversation too. Um, mm -hmm. Mobile joints, the ones that are supposed to be mobile. So your hips, your ankles, your upper, your thoracic mobility, your shoulders, make those mobile. People's hips are usually a little too tight, and that's why you have low back pain. I, I struggled with low back pain when I was a kid. I wrecked on my dirt bike, and then I jumped out of planes in the military. So when I was like 22, my low back was painful. Mm. Um, so yeah, joint supplements can't replace proper mobility and soft tissue work, um, but they can help. So Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Uh, looking at it through the lens of just being in the gym, I think – weak glutes, weak, ha weak hamstrings, tight hamstrings, some of those things. But I think just really people just mm -hmm. have weak glutes and I feel like they don't really understand how that ties into to LBP or low back pain. So I think really you're kind of looking at it as a pyramid, the foundation, some of the bigger chunks of it is not necessarily at the peak of supplementation, like sprinkling something on top, but 
what are you doing day in, day out to, with your body? What have we kind of gotten here? So I think more physical therapists who yeah. might be listening can probably are nodding their heads along with this right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's another thing I say, like turmeric is a very popular supplement. It's nature's <clears throat> Advil is what I call it. Mm-hmm. If you would just take the time to work on your mobility and stretch and roll your, your muscles out, you probably wouldn't need this. So, yeah. But, and, and I can probably say this, I don't know if you want to jump in there, but I feel like in society, it's just like a microwave instant gratification thing where people Mm -hmm. just, they're looking for the magic pill. They're not necessarily looking to say, Hey, you know, wake up and do 10 minutes of mobility work in the morning, just make it a part of your routine, for example, or something like that, or just any type of thing, like making going to the gym four times a week or something like that. I just, that's a whole nother conversation, but I feel like people probably just looking for a magic pill. And when it comes to like, you know, you just take your turmeric, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of hilarious actually like, Oh, you just take this turmeric and you're fine. And, and then you go ahead and just sit on your butt all day at the desk or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like you said, that's a whole different conversation, but it's yeah. first world problems, man. Humans are creatures of comfort. They'll always seek it in order to live a better life. You got to go through adversity and grow. Um, and if people aren't willing to do that, which is most people, you just stay stuck. So it's, it's, I'm very big on the, uh, the Jocko and the David Goggins stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it, it relates very much to me. So I enjoy the topic of discipline. Um, plus I was, I was military. So it was just right out of high school. It was instilled in me, but yeah, yeah it was a different conversation. No, I think that's just, it's almost like a modern day philosophy is just some of those things that kind of pull from, um, some of those leaders and, uh, thank you for your service. I really appreciate, I mean, personally what you've done, I've always dreamed of have, uh, aspirations of being in the military. And unfortunately with my bipolar disorder, I was never able to go in to my plan of after graduating college, going as an officer and partake. Um, but I just want to say, take a step back. Thank you for your service. I think it's very honorable of you, um, to protect us and kind of allow us to kind of live in our own bubble as you were and have these first world problems as to, you know, Oh, I don't move around much. I got my iPhone and you know, some of the conveniences we have here and I'm sure you've with your tours and some of those things you've seen around the world, you kind of appreciate and have a different kind of lens and just philosophy on how to approach life. So thank you for your service, Colin. Yeah. I'm pretty, I, yeah, I was, I'm pretty, my military, yeah, I'm different when it comes to, to other vets. I don't give a lot of vets, a lot of, uh, leeway, I guess, especially GWAT babies. So global war on terrorism, we all signed up for what we, we chose to go on like, my grandfathers that were in Vietnam, they're forced to go. So, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think it just speaks um, volumes of who you are. You had a choice. It wasn't mandated and you decided to go in there and serve your country. So thank you. And I know people sometimes it's cheesy and things like that. I don't know that I'm sure you meet people all the time who are just enthralled with you and your veterinarian. And I know, I know it's kind of cheesy, but I am, I am that type of person because I couldn't do it and I respect it. So I just mad respect and the mad mm-hmm. respect for Jocko and David Goggins and all those other people. And, um, somebody personally I'm reading right now is Ryan Holiday. It's uh, like uh, it's a book about discipline. I think it's like the second virtue of the four virtues of stoicism. So I just think having discipline, especially in a in a first world country that we have where we don't necessarily need to, I think just having some form of voluntary or like things that you're putting into, I think, you know, a lot of good can come from having difficult things and having challenges and having adversity. I think a lot of growth just because just does come from that. So I'm I don't know what you're taking or if you have any deep, deep philo- philosophical things you want to talk about right now. <laughs> always but we'll we'll stick with just supplements and okay. uh nutrition all right we'll save that for another episode okay <laughs> yeah. um, so 
Colin, when it comes to nutrition, I just want to ask just a basic, what is your take on nutrition as a whole topic? Um, I'm going to still, still align out of, uh, Lane Norton's kind of philosophy and he has a PhD in nutrition and it's like everyone questions him, even though he has a PhD because everybody eats, everyone has their own opinion. Um, and so when I was in the military, people didn't question, you know, my reason of why I chose to attack the enemy this way. When I was climbing trees, people definitely didn't question how I went about removing a hundred plus foot tree off next to their home. Right. But now that I'm here and I talk about nutrition, everyone will question me about everything I say, because everyone has their own opinion on what makes them feel good, what doesn't, and that kind of thing. So I can't imagine being someone that has an actual degree, like a dietitian and things like that and what they have to go through. Um, you know, they're the ones that are highly qualified. Um, with that being said, my take on nutrition is, is there's room for all foods is being very flexible. Um, a lot of people like to point out certain ingredients or certain food and describe how that affects your body and how it can be toxic and just do these terrible things to you in isolation, right? It was like, well, there's something called the food matrix. Like, what about everything else you're putting in your body and how does that offset that now? Um, and so typically you see the crazy claims from this, the low carb or the carnivore side of things. And some vegans will have some crazy claims as well. Um, but ultimately it's an individual response to each things. Um, you gotta figure out what works and what doesn't work for you. And most of the time it's people need to add to their diet and not take away. They're just deficient in something and that's why they're feeling bad. And that could be fiber. Fiber is a huge one that people are deficient in. And that could be to blame on the amount of carbs people eat, the highly processed carbs that have no fiber and really no nutrients to it. Um, does that make them bad? No, it's only bad if you overeat on it. Um, and so that's where you get into calories. Do they matter or not? Or is it all hormones? That tends to be a big debate. And I lean towards its calories, its energy. Um, yeah, certain foods do things to your hormones, but that's a natural response. Eating carbs and getting a spike in insulin is a normal response. It goes back down, just like drinking caffeine spikes your energy and then goes back down. Um, so just finding out your calorie range, focus on your protein and fiber, stick to that calorie range, and you'd be surprised what happens. Colin, what is the best diet? And if so, maybe what are the top three diets that you'd recommend for somebody? including yourself the best diets um well obviously the one you can stick to but if i had to name diets i like a paleo type diet i do um with a bit of an exception i'll eat gluten I, I, i'm not i don't care too much about that uh i've gone strict paleo for 40 days and when i introduced gluten back into my diet it messed me up but i built the tolerance to it in like two days and there's too many good foods, especially when you have kids that have gluten in it to really worry about that. Um, I don't think dairy's necessarily that bad for you, but I could go without it. I love ice cream, but it's neither here nor there. But that tends to be a very good diet to, to take uh, or to, to use, to be on, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a Mediterranean diet is probably the most studied. That one's a fantastic diet as well. Um, the only reason I personally would put a paleo diet above 
Mediterranean diet is because Mediterranean lacks a little too much red meat for me. I love steak. Um, but Mediterranean diet has been proven to help a lot of different biomarkers for people. And a third diet, man. I have no idea. I would, I feel like you get into like a low carb vegan or mm-hmm. carnivore or something. There's a bunch of other like random diets out there, but I would probably go vegan before I went carnivore though. Um, just looking at the difference between the two, I think a carnivore diet would be very easy. I could just eat meat the whole time, but I know for me personally, if I consume, it's something I look at in my that's what I count now is how much saturated fat I consume because I have noticed when I eat too much, I actually feel my heart (laughs) and it's like, I, I need to be aware of that. Um, so I started cooking with coconut oil a few years back and every time I'd cook with it after I'd eat, like I feel slow. My heart is like palpitating almost. Um, feel it. Yeah. And that's, that's just me. Other people go on a full carnivore diet and eat nothing but butter and cheese and ghee mm-hmm. and whatever the heck. And they feel great. It's like, good for you. Stop yeah. pushing your bullshit on other people. Yeah. Um, Putting butter in their coffee and all that shit. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just not for me. I'd probably go vegan as number three. Mm-hmm. Um, so glad you did not say ketogenic. Yeah. That, I was going to cut yeah. you off. I was going to have to, you know, cut you off the show if you did, if you said ketogenic, but I just, and then I just think people don't even hit, that's a whole nother episode, but uh, yeah, paleo, Mediterranean, I think those are really top two. I think from just an overall health and wellness and longevity standpoint, I know there's a book uh, called the blue zones. If you Google the blue zones, mm-hmm. I think there's like five or six different areas where people live the longest. And I think Sicily is one of those, uh, one of those top areas or blue zones where people on average, their life expectancy is in the, 80s 90s 100s and they're they're not only just they're not like an american in a wheelchair or something like that or moving around they're Mm -hmm. they're gardening they're active in their community they're having good things i think in okinawa japan is another blue zone where people are sociable they have a a good community some other things that don't necessarily tie into nutrition but i think just from a diet standpoint i think mediterranean diet is good especially maybe for i know heart issues run in my family heart disease heart failure some of those things heart attacks i know mediterranean diet is popular when I was sitting in a cardiologist's office with uh, some family members there. So definitely recommend it. And then paleo, I, I don't know too much about paleo. Can you kind of break down since that is your number one diet? Like what is uh what is a paleo diet maybe consist of what kind of foods? Yeah. Um, I kind of don't like the name of it, but it's mm. the paleolithic era. <clears throat> Our ancestors, what they ate, only eat what they eat. People have taken it quite far to where everything has to be grass fed and finished. There's no gluten, no dairy. Um, no grains. Um, it, was, it was pretty tough, but I was able to manage. Um, but it's pretty much only what our paleo ancestors eat. And there's a fantastic book called Burn by Herman Ponser, who studied the Hazza tribe, which is a, a modern, today they exist, of hunter-gatherers. And you look at different hunter-gatherer tribes, and a lot of them eat a lot of carbs. And a paleo diet doesn't necessarily mean low carb. It's just the, the carbs that are available to you these days are very minimal mm-hmm. um, unless you want to pay for it. And which at the time, even now, like I can't afford it. And so that's what kind of bothers me about the paleo type lifestyle. And paleo is the CrossFit, right? If you do CrossFit, you're typically on a paleo diet, kind of the mm-hmm. same with vegans and marathon runners. Um, but it's 
there tends to be a lot of privilege in that kind of, you know, community and the people that push for that diets. They, they tend to just be upper middle or the upper class, I would say, because it's expensive. Grass fed finished beef, all perfectly natural, yeah. you know, that shit's expensive. Definitely some, uh, some um, form of and the portions are smaller. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started trying it is that it, yeah, it was when I got introduced to nutrition by someone who's a very wealthy person. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really talk to that person anymore. We're just we're not, not friends. It's just, we're very different people. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's kind of the paleo diet, eat what our ancestors ate, but people take it too far and they were like, it's mostly low carb. And that book I was telling you about, he proved like, no, it's actually they eat 60% of their diet is like carbohydrates, if not more. So. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting stuff. You said it was burn the book burn. Yeah. B U R N by Herman Ponser. Um, life changing, right? Oh. The stuff they found by studying these people, I'll just touch on it very quickly is that yeah. these Haza tribe members, these hunter gatherers walk 15 plus miles a day. And turns out they burn just as much calories, energy for the day as you and I would just sitting here. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? They had to check it twice. They, they use a doubly labeled water to measure isotopes and energy and all this kind of thing. It's very accurate, um, especially for that kind of clinical setting right out in the freaking African wilderness. Um, and so the conclusion was when it comes to a healthy weight, it is like 90% to do with food. You can't out exercise to a healthy weight, but your metabolic health is mostly to do with your exercise, not so much your food. First, you need to get to a healthy weight, obviously, but Mm -hmm mostly to do with exercise and that kind of flipped everything upside down of what modern thinking was people pretty much like yeah they kind of go hand in hand but they are different and do different things so very interesting book yeah very interesting i think i'll have to check that out for sure uh all right so we're kind of on the back end of the episode actually coming to the finish line here the final 10 yards want to close out with some tips and recommendations. Maybe if you've enjoyed the podcast and a lot of the stuff I know I have that Colin has kind of shared with us. I want to close out the episode with this question. Maybe some, who are some followers or who are some influencers? I don't know, I hate that term, but who are some people on Instagram or social media you recommend following? And then more importantly, what are some maybe books or solid literature that you would recommend people who are interested in some of the things you talked about who would like to continue their journey into fitness and health and wellness? Yeah. Um, as far as for on social media, I'm only on Instagram. Um, I have a huge man crush on Lane Norton. A lot of people don't like him, um, but a lot of people do. Love him. Um, so, yeah, I think he's awesome. And he's one of the few evidence-based, you know, people on social media. I don't want to call him an influencer, um, but because yeah. like you, I hate that term. But he's one of the few that is still, as he calls it, in the arena. He's competing. He pushes himself through adversity. Um, so that's why I respect him probably the most. Um, and he just won Worlds this past year. So he's yes. good. He's on BioLane. Uh, the next one, we've talked about him multiple times, Alan Aragon. He's kind of like the goat, the <laughs> the godfather or whatever you want to call him. Um, he's always been very calm. 
Yeah. He's, he has a very calm demeanor to him. I like him a lot. Um, and then with going back to Lane, he has his own, it's called bio lane, a lot of coaches and all of them put out their own different unique way of teaching. And so all of them I found have been very good. Can't list them off the top of my head. You can just, you'll find them, you click on one and then they all just start showing up. Um, Dr. Adrian Chavez, I think, is that his name? Mm-hmm. I think it is. He's yeah, really he's good. Also, I'm, uh, he's I'm got sure funny memes. Yeah, got funny he's memes. Um, he's a great one. Yeah. Um, Dr. Nadolsky, um, mm-hmm. he's a lipidologist. He's real big on, he hasn't been posting as much. He's been under fire because he's on the semaglutide, those weight loss medications, and he's been quite busy. And he also has like three or four kids, and he's a sexy jacked used to be a yeah. really good wrestler but i like him um the doctor who lives have, yeah the docs who live podcast um they're pretty good um i think i want to throw some women in there too that i follow um because i don't follow just dudes um mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think of their names um but I, Another dude, a doctor, uh, is it Joe Zundel? Joey, he's a cancer biologist, a researcher. He posts some good stuff. He likes to use cats in his thing. I'm not a huge <laughs> cat fan, but it's funny. Um, gosh, most of the females I follow are from the, the BioLane team. Um, mm-hmm. but I can't think of their names at the moment. Moving to books, um, obviously Flexible Dieting by Alan Aragon is a great one. And Lane has a Fat Loss Forever book. Um, but there's one, his name's Walter Willett. He's been doing research for years. And you understand there's a lot of old people out there that have been doing this research for a long, long time. They're just not popular because they're old and they don't get social media. Um, so he has a book called Eat, Drink, Be Healthy, I think it's called, by Walter okay. Willett. And it is another evidence-based, it's been out there for a while, another fantastic book. And the biggest line that I took away from his book was that, um, the quantity of food matters more than the quality, but the quality of food will determine how much your quantity is. Um, and I thought that is a very good saying. Um, so there's, there's room for both quality and quantity. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other books. I've read a few recently that are good, but with some contradictory things that I don't like. But that's, that's the other part of it too, is that you can't just read books that confirm your bias. It's really hard to read books that go against what you what you like, um, but that's how you grow as well. Is you have to learn the other side. You can't just get stuck in your little echo chamber. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess I, I'll say this one. It's Death by Comfort by Paul Taylor. Okay. Um, the first few chapters in that book are amazing. It talks about hormesis and myokines and why movement is medicine and you know muscle is great. But then he starts talking about nutrition, and that's where I disagreed with him. He's a big no seed oil kind of artificial sweetener type person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might relate to that. So that's a, another great book, and that's a new book. I just found him. Yeah, and if then, you're the type to walk in the yeah. grocery store without a shirt on or barefoot, that might be your guy. Yes. <laughs> Stop listening to people that give advice while in a grocery store. Yes. Do yourself a favor. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I would, I would call it. Nice. 
that, yeah, I think that's a great, great advice. Uh, I'll go ahead and maybe put together in the show notes, a lot of the books that you put out there and some links, uh, especially for the bio team and maybe some names that we've forgotten, but definitely pointing us in the right direction. If, uh, the, if we're, you know, if I hope you're listening, take it best in interest in your health and we're in your wellness and you only get one body, you only get one, uh, one shot at this. So might as well take it, take advantage of it. And it's never too late to, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, no matter where you're at in the age demographic, it's never too late to make it, make a change and take advantage of your health. So, um, thank you so much, Colin, for your time today. Uh, where can we find you? Where's your store located? And maybe some things, um, that we can plug you for, for personally, I just want to say thank you for your time again. And, uh, yeah, where can we find you? If you're in Reno, Nevada, I know where you're at, but where for the listeners who can't find you, maybe is there any online possibility to, to connect with you as well and shop and your support your store? Yeah, they found me on. This has been fun. Um, I'm like I said, I'm only on I'm on Instagram. We have a Facebook page. I don't know how to use that thing, man. Um, but if you want to support, you can follow the NutriShop page. It's uh, NutriShop South Reno, um, or my personal page. It's Colin M. Klein, just my name, real original. Um, either works. There's a link there. Um, you use code Reno for shipping for for free shipping. I mean, um, I'm not someone that's going to be handing you 10, 15 percent off the store through online and use my code and that kind of thing. Um, so this is a business. I got wife and kids and bills and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where you can support. If you want to look at supplements, you can always message me on either of those pages. I will get to you when I do. Yeah. No, thank you again. I want to end with this. If you're still listening, Colin is a, just a top quality man. I walked in the store one time and I'm always testing out people. I kind of, there's a kind of a meme out there. It's like, I think it's Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. It's like somebody comes up to you. You got some, some kid working at GNC or some other vitamins, Vita shop or something like that is like, Hey, this is what you need. And I'm just looking at him does, has no idea my background. It's like, I know more than you. I walked in Colin's store. He didn't try to pitch me anything. Didn't try to upsell me anything. Didn't have any, uh, any spiffs or any kind of things that he was trying to hit from a business standpoint just completely looks and treats everybody with the utmost respect and try to get them to their goals. And a lot of the knowledge that he's talked about on this podcast and that he continues to read about is evidence-based scientifically proven, not a lot of malarkey in there. So um, yeah, thank you again. And uh, we'll uh, have you on again soon, Colin. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Alrighty. Take care guys. We will see you on the next episode. Thanks again. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar. Stay connected with me directly through jonathancharco.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at jonathancharco. As always, thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, Be kind to yourself and each other.